Thank you for joining us on this, our Church City podcast. Every single week, we have a brand new message that we hope will inspire you to live a victorious life in Christ. Enjoy the message. Uh, but we, I got something I'm going to talk to you today about that I believe will bless your heart. And um, so let's pray, let's pray, and then we're going to go to the word of the Lord. Father, I thank you for your word. It is already blessed. I thank you because, Father, there is nothing I can add or subtract from it, Father, that would, uh, would, would add anything to it, Father, that it already doesn't have the potential to do whatever it says. For your word says that, God, your word will never return void, but it will accomplish exactly what you set out for it to do. Father, we thank you, God, that we don't have a God who doesn't speak. But we have a God who has spoken and you've done it through your word. And I pray that this word would heal, it would transform, it would change minds. I pray that it would give us a, a perspective, right perspective. The perspective of heaven on situations. I pray that you would break strongholds with your word today. I pray that you would give deliverance and victory in every area of our lives in the name of Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, today what I want to talk to you about is something that uh, is not strange to us. It is something that we all handle and deal with every day. It is something that affects every person in this room. I want to talk about money a little bit today. Is that all right? When you talk about money in church, they get quiet. I told you, <laughs> Amen. I told you get quiet, but you know, money, money affects every person. It is something that always amazes me that there aren't uh, uh, that many classes being taught in school on how to handle money. The one thing that will affect your life uh, uh, probably the most for the rest of your life. Do you understand what I'm saying? Uh, in case you didn't know, in the Bible, Jesus spoke more about money than he did heaven and hell. Did you know that? Huh? Did you know that from the book of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, one out of every six verse mentions money? Isn't that crazy? Some of you are like, for real? I didn't know that. Amen. And uh, it's not that Jesus is glorifying money, but he uses money uh, uh, to, to bring out points uh, uh, because everybody is familiar with it. Amen. Everybody handles it every day. Everybody uh, 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 has, you know... Uh, uh, you're going to come in contact with money. Amen. You know, they say before uh, the average American leaves earth, they would have had close to a million dollars pass through their hands. Amen. Hallelujah. Some of you just got mad right there when you heard that. Something in your spirit said, what? Yeah, you will. You know, how many of you desire to be a millionaire? You know, some of you probably already are. You just don't want nobody to know. But before you die, you will have a million dollars pass through your hands. Amen. Some of you say, well, how, teach me today, pastor, how to make it stop. I don't want it to pass through. Amen. But um, money affects all of us. Do you know that in a marriage, one of the top reasons for divorce, when you look this up, greater than infidelity is money. This affects us, right? Y'all you, you, know what I'm talking about. You know, when, <laughs> when the money's good, I remember in the early days when me and Sister Sherry were married. When we had those early struggle days, maybe you've never had those, but we've had early struggle days when things got complicated and I always knew when the money was low. 
the attitude was different in the house. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Amen. I'm talking to myself. When you come in the house, and it, 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 it usually is around the first of the month. Amen. <laughs> the house climate change. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Maybe it's just me. But uh, uh, money makes the house different. And uh, there are three things that they say strongly affects marriage. The intimacy, the communication, and money. They're all interdependent on each other. If there's no communication, the rest is going to fall apart. If there's not money, communication go out there. Everything falls apart. And so, so it's amazing to me that greater than infidelity, more people are becoming divorced because of money. Amen. They don't know how to handle it. They don't know how to talk to each other about it. And the Bible has a lot to say. You know, people, people often say, I wish, I wish there was a handbook that came with marriage. I wish there was a handbook that came with raising children. I wish there was a handbook that came that taught me how to manage my finances. And guess what? There is a handbook for all of those things. It's called the Bible. Amen. And so today I want to uh, just begin to talk to you a little bit about that. And hopefully it'll bless you. It'll change your perspective on the way we view money. And the first thing I want to do is uh, go to the book of Proverbs chapter 3 verse 9. Because here's where you want to start if you want to be uh, uh, somebody who is financially blessed. Amen. How many of you know that, uh, that money is not something that you should allow to own you. But you, should, you, you shouldn't let it use you. You should use it. Amen. People often say, Pastor, why would you talk about money? The Bible says, the love of money is the root of all evil. How many of you know that's not what the Bible says? Right? Uh, 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 people say, uh, they, say uh, uh, um, they, they usually quote it and says, money is the root of all evil. And that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says the love of it. And it doesn't even say it's the root of all evil. It says all kinds of evil. Amen? But uh, uh, money is not evil nor good. It is just a thing. You can use money to build churches and hospitals, or you could use money to funnel drugs into the nation. What makes it evil is the intent and the heart behind it. Amen. When it comes to money, the first thing the Bible says that we ought to do, and a lot of people don't like this, but we're going to talk about this today. Amen. In Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9 and 10, this is what it says. It says that every person that lives on planet earth should honor the Lord with your wealth. Amen. Can I get an amen there? Amen. Wait a minute, Pastor. You can honor God with money? Absolutely. He said, and here's how, with the first fruits of all of your crops. Or another version says, the first fruits of all you produce. Another version says, all the first fruits of all your income, right? And so what does that mean? In the Bible times, this is how you measured if a person was wealthy. There was two ways. They either had flocks or they had a farm that produced crops. Amen. And so a person was wealthy depending on how much flocks they had. They had a lot of flocks. They were super wealthy. They had a, a little bit of flocks. They were all right. If they had no flocks, they were poor. You know, they were broke. Where your goat at? You ain't got no goat, bro. You know what I mean? You ain't, you ain't balling out here. You made it rain sheep back then. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Y'all quiet on me this morning. You know what I mean? You made it rain apples and bananas. We, 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 we living out here. We got produce. Amen. And so when the Bible says honor God with the first fruits, right? Uh, uh, notice what it says. Let me read that again. Honor God with, with whatever is left over when you're done. All right. Somewhere in the middle, take a middle portion out and get, then give to God. What does it say? 
The first, what's the first, y'all? What's the, the very first, right? That's tough. That's tough because, because the first is asking me to, to give a sacrifice. We're going to talk about it a little bit more, right? But, but, but I want you to know that there are lessons that we learn when we give to God. Can I tell you three lessons that I've learned from giving to God, what happens in my life? The first thing that I learned when I begin to give to God, right? It breaks the stronghold of materialism in my life. What are you saying, Pastor? Here's the problem, right? We live in a society where people define who they are by what they own. Oh, talk to me in here. Some of us, not you guys, I've met people who feel they're all of that because of the kind of car they drive. Do you follow what I'm saying? I've met people who think I'm balling because when they walked in the room, the jewelry was all over. I've met people who feel like, you know, they're, they're, they're people who feel like because they wear a certain suit, they have a certain dress, they wear certain sneakers, they find their worth and their security in material things. The type of house. That's how we define people today's success. You've never seen a, a success story on television without you showing the house cars, the, 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 the materialism. We live in a very materialistic world. A world that tells you keep working so that you can get more. Get all you can, can all you get, and then sit on the can. <laughs> and he who has the most toys at the end dies. Right? He who dies, or let me say it this way. They say that he who dies with the most toys wins. So the goal is to get the most and then die. And somebody came on the scene and remixed it and says, he who dies with the most toys still dies. And you never, you know, there's an old state saying that says you never see the bench truck following the, the hearse, right? You, you never see the, 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 the you know, in the, the, the Egyptian culture, they used to believe that they're going to bury the people with all the wealth because on the other side, they'll use the wealth. There ain't a thing on planet earth that you can use when you die. You cannot take anything with you. And we continuously live in a society that teaches us that what we own is who we are. Oh, it's happened to all of us. You ever met an old friend and an old friend says, hey, what you been up to? And you start to, you know, they start telling you, well, you know, I, you know, the Lord, you know, I've own a couple houses, I'm into real estate, bought about, you know, and then they start sounding like they've got a lot. And then they ask you what you do, you try to paint your story a little better. Well, you know, currently, I, uh, I inspire people to live better lives. <laughs> you know, every, every uh, you know, people come to hear me speak at 930. You try to make it sound big. Yeah, yeah, thousands of people in, Queen, in New York, capital of the world, they come in. You make it sound, why? Because you begin to you begin to try to paint. You've never sat next to nobody and done that. You never try to paint your story bigger than it really is. The reason why is because we are told every day that your worth is is in what you do in in the things you own. How many of you know that the worth of any human being is in the love of God for that person? If God don't love us, you are worthless. Y'all ain't hear what I'm saying in here. My worth is not based on what I possess. I like that. You know, you know, because 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 I've seen rich people depressed. I've seen people who've worked all their life only to end up empty. My worth, and, and here's the thing: if you find your security in things that can disappear, you can become empty at any minute. If you find your security in a person, if you feel that like the person that I marry completes me, that person could divorce you and mess you up. 
If you find your security in a car, that car could crash next week. If you feel like my security is in the job I got, good luck with this economy. And one day you wake up and you find out, hey, wait, 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 wait y'all still got pantry at the church? I'm going to need me some bread. It, anything that you put your trust in that is tangible is a dangerous place. You understand what I'm saying to you? Any, eh, 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 be, but, but there is one thing that is secure that cannot be touched. And that is the love of God and what he did on the cross for you. If the believer has not found his worth in there, then the believer will always be empty. Oh, gosh. You came to a church, you didn't come to positive thinking. I'm not just going to talk about money to make you rich. I'm first going to tell you that your money will never bring you happiness if God hasn't done that already. Money, oh, we're going to talk, we're going to talk. But, but what I've learned is that, is that there is this struggle between giving money away and, and a human being. How many of you just love to give your money away? It sounds good theoretically to say as a believer, oh, it's blessed to give than to receive. How many of you just love? Let me tell you why you don't love to give your money away. Because you don't give away as much as you could. Amen. Hallelujah. You ever pull up and see somebody begging? And you know you can help them. But in your mind you start, you know, I don't know what these people do with the money. You start making all sorts of excuses. You don't want to get that $2 away. You look at your dad and be like, man, I've been working for this, man. You know, New York has system design that can help you, brother. You don't need my $2. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You, 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 there, there is something about materialism that grips us. And the only way to let go of that is that it has to be challenged. And when you have to let go of it, it challenges you. Anybody know what I'm talking about? When, when you have to give, you, 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 you want to know how to break materialism? Give away what has a, you know, you know, the man who finds his worth in the bends would never give away the bends. Whatever has a stronghold on you, you can tell because you, you, where your treasure, we're going to talk, we're going to talk, amen. But, but, but what I find is that God teaches me every, every time that I get an increase, he says, I want you to give the first of it. Now, that doesn't mean the middle part or the end part. This is how some of us give to God. We wait until we pay all our bills. We wait until we buy our little sneakers, our little clothes. Then whatever is left, we come and give to God. But what does the Bible say? That when you honor God with your wealth, it must be the first of it. Why the first? Here's why the first. Because you see, when you give the first, you're not really sure if the rest will do. Now it forces you to trust. Now it forces you to say that my, the way I'm going to overcome in life or the way I'm going to, the, the source of any strength, the source of moving forward, the source of blessing is not really in this money, but it's in God. And when you're forced to trust him, it breaks the materialism off of your life. It has no stronghold over you. I'm not defined by what I look like. I could care less about what people think about me. I know what God says about me. And I know where, oh, y'all in here, what I'm saying. I could care less about the next man's thoughts about me. You know, sometimes you look at some people and you judge them uh, until you begin to really get to know the people that you think of. When you begin to look behind closed doors, you'll be shocked at who's who. Amen, somebody. So one of the things I learned is that when you begin to give, 
It forces you not to be greedy. It forces you to break that material struggle that's on your life. You don't, amen, hallelujah, I'm spending too much time on that. Here's another thing that I've learned when I begin to give. I am learning to trust God and I'm learning and realizing that he is my source and everything else is a resource. Do you follow what I'm saying? When I give to God, I'm forced to learn that lesson. Here's the third thing I learned. I learned that I'm beginning to honor the Bible and in turn, storing up treasures in heaven and souls are being saved when I honor God with my wealth. If you love God and you love his kingdom, you'll put him first. Look at what the Bible says happens in the next verse. Go to verse 10. When you honor God with your wealth, then your barns will be filled to what? To over what? How many of you need some overflow in your life? Now, 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 for those of you theological people who said, I don't believe in tithing. Tithing is a, a, a thing for the law. The book of Proverbs is not a law book. The book of Proverbs are principles that is for lifetime. For example, there are laws of physics that has to work, else we wouldn't have the laws of gravity better work. They are laws that govern the world. What go? That's why you don't, you, you don't go on top of the building and be like, well, on Thursday, I don't think gravity going to work. Let me see if I can jump off the building. You better pray that law fails. But most likely, the law will work on Thursday, so you ain't jumping off no building. And it's the same with spiritual laws. They work the same. And when you honor God with your wealth, your barns will be filled to the overflow. How many of you want some overflow in your life? Well, the first thing you need to do as a believer is to begin to honor God with your wealth. You see, what I learned is that I begin to honor, when I honor God with my wealth, I begin to follow a Bible principle that he established that teaches me that God is first. God is first in my life. God is the source of everything I got. And, and, and when I put him first, then is when I begin to see the blessings of God. Amen. Go with me to the book of Matthew 6, 19. I want you to see this. This is what he says. You see, you're honoring a Bible principle. He says, do not store up treasures for yourselves, treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But rather, store up your treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, your heart will be also. How many of you know that's very true? Nobody cares about AT&T right now. But if you buy some stocks in it, you'll watch that company every day. Anybody know what I'm talking about? No, nobody cares about Bitcoin until they started putting money behind it. I've seen a lot of people from, people who don't know nothing about no investing start, Pastor, you heard of Bitcoin? When you started investing... The minute you put your treasure somewhere, your heart begins to watch it. Y'all follow what I'm saying? Y'all follow what I'm saying? Wherever your treasure is, that's where your heart will be. How many of you know that you can literally, you're going to see this in a minute. I got to, we, we're going to read on. How many of you know that you can literally store up treasures in heaven? And how many of you know that storing up treasures in heaven blesses you not only in this life, but the life to come? But I want you to know it not only blesses you in the life to come, but it blesses you in this life. Amen? But, but, but it teaches you that. Now, now, how I spend my money says a lot about me. How I spend my money tells me what I love most. 
Do you follow what I'm saying? I don't care what you say you're into. Show me your bank statement and I'll show you what you're really into. You, oh, you love Jesus? Nah, I think you like shoes more. You, you, you love the church? Nah, I think you like uh, Macy's a little bit more. <laughs> Where you spend your money tells what you love a lot. It tells what you're into. You can tell what a person does by where they spend their money. You, can, my, you didn't have to ask if I was a musician. Just look at my bank statement. You'd see Guitar Center, a, a period of my life, it was Sam Ash and Guitar Center all up and down the bank statements. You, you didn't have to ask. I, I, I could have told you I really love Jesus. You'd be like, nah, I think you like music. <laughs> you can tell what a person really loves by where they spend their money. Amen? And, and not only that, where you spend money shows if God can trust you. Now, now I'm going somewhere with this, right? My daughter Savannah, this week I was in the car. Savannah goes to a Christian school. And they have to wear uniforms. And every now and then she hates wearing the uniform. So the school has a system designed that they raise funds for different things. And the way they do it is they say if you want to have a dress down day, then you know, they ask for a donation. That donation they use to send off the missions or to help the less fortunate or whatever. And so Savannah came in the car. She said, Dad, can I get $3 tomorrow? I want to I, I wear this uniform. I said, all right. Um, I said, but Savannah, me being the, the, the businessman that I am, really it's the stronghold of materialism because I wanted my $3. Whenever you got to give, it tests you. Anybody, y'all see how this works? $3 tested me in that car. Now, I had my test going on, and then I gave her a test. I said, Savannah, would you take that $3 and use it for something else that you can invest in and force yourself to wear that clothes that you hate and own your $3 and begin to find something else that maybe you can invest in? Maybe you could figure out a way to do something with your $3? Savannah looked at me, and this is what Savannah said. It's not my $3, Dad. You're the one giving it to me, so it really doesn't matter. And she said it in a way, and I thought to myself, I said, that is our mindset, and it is so wrong. Even though I'm the one giving it to you, it doesn't mean you do whatever you want with it. Now, why am I saying that? Whenever you come across money in the Bible, it is always talking, a man gave ten talents to another, five to another, and one. Or a man went out and he said, I entrust you over this. A man was given this. Every, every, everything that you see in the Bible that deals with money shows you that there's somebody else putting it in your hands and you become a manager or a steward of it. In other words, you never own it. It is only there for you to steward. And if you think about it this way, I looked at Savannah and I said, I ain't giving her no $3. You know what's funny? God allowed me to get $3 that same day. It was so strange that, that I was able to get exactly $3 in a weird way that day. And when I got it, the first thing came to my mind, give Savannah. I said, nah, Lord, you ain't really gave me to give her. <laughs> right? But, but here's the thing. Even though it is my money, I give it to her. I'm expecting her to steward it right. Because if she stewards it wrong, guess what? I'll never give her another dollar. 
I'll run up to her and say, that's why sometimes when you meet people on the street, sometimes they say, I'm hungry. One of the things I do is I say, okay, what do you want to eat? Let's go. And then they say, no, 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 can you just give me the money? Then you begin to wonder, well, why is it you want the money? We're standing right in front of McDonald's. You said you're hungry. What do you want? The reason what's happening there is that in their mind, there's a problem with Stuart and the money. They, they really probably don't want to buy something to eat at the moment. Do you follow what I'm saying? And so, so, so it is when, when God gives you something, it is for, for your, it's your job to steward it. And I, there's a story here that I, I want to read. In the book of Luke chapter 16 verse 1, there's some things here I want to pull out. Hallelujah. There's a story here about Jesus and what he, what he told uh, uh, to these Pharisees that were around him that loved money. This is what he said. Jesus told his disciples there was a rich man who was, whose manager accused him of wasting his possessions. So the manager, right, was accused of wasting the rich man's possessions. Don't never let it be said that you have wasted what God has given to you. Don't never let it be said that you've wasted your life. Don't never let it be said that you've wasted your marriage. Oh, gosh. Don't never let it be said that you've wasted your time. Remember, whenever you waste time, you're committing suicide slowly because you can never get it back. Never let it be said that you've wasted anything God has given to you. You have, a, see, when you think about it like that, it changes. When you think about that, you think about, hey, this is, this is, this is God's day he's given to me. How dare I sit and watch Netflix for six hours? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Come on, talk to me. This is God's day that he's given to me. This is time he's given to me. When you begin to think about it, this, whenever God gives you a paycheck and you look at it, this is God's paycheck. Can I just go buy stuff I don't need? Impulsive spending? You begin to think different about what you own now. You begin to, and, but you see there's a flip side to that. There's a blessed side to that because when you begin to look at everything you own, then you can look at God and say, God, that's your, you know, when, when my kids are in need, I say, God, that's your kid. He needs some, he needs some sneakers. Oh, y'all don't understand. God, 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 that, this, this your family. We, we, we don't have no way to get to church. We on the bus every Sunday. We need a car. You see, it works both ways. When your mind is constantly seeing that everything you've been given is God, it keeps you humble. It keeps you not spending wildly. Marriage works when you begin to look at that. You, you can look at the wife and say, uh, this God's money, are we really going to? And the wife could look right back at you and say, this is God's money. You sure you're going to? And you begin to think, am I wasting God's money? Do you follow what I'm saying? So, so, so this rich man uh, 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 whose manager was accused of wasting, so he called him in and asked him, what is this that I hear about you? Look at this. Give an account of your management. One day, God will run an audit on everybody's life, and he will say, give an account on how you've managed your life. Come on, talk to me in here. Give an account for why it is you do what you do. Give an account for why it is you spend the way you spend. Give an account for why you spend the time you spend where you do. Give an account for why you've done what you've done. He said, give an account because you cannot be manager any longer and there will come a day when you will no longer be able to steward what God has put in your possessions. You want to be able to say, I've 
I kilted God. I'll show you what I did. Come on, talk to me. You know, believers always look into the world and we just, oh, God, use me. Get up and be used. Y'all understand what I'm saying in there? There's, there's things that he's given you. Everybody, Lord, if you just show me where to go. There are some things that is obviously that God has given to you that you should just get up and do. Amen, somebody. Right? But, but he says, because you cannot manage any longer. Now, watch how this, the plot thickens. The manager said to himself, now, this story is crazy because Jesus praises this man. But this man, they call him the shrewd manager. But in reality, he's, uh, he's a little illegal. And Jesus praises this illegal man. You say, okay, good. I like this Bible lesson. I can finally live illegal. And that's not what I'm saying. Neither is Jesus. Look at what it says. The manager said to himself, what am I going to do now? I'm about to lose my job. Right? So he says, my master is taking away my job. And I'm not, I, I, I'm not strong enough to do what I used to do in the past. I can't dig anymore. And I'm ashamed to beg. Look at this man. Look at what he does. I know what I'll do so that when I lose my job here, people will welcome me into their houses. So he develops a scheme. He says, when I lose my job here, I'm going to do something that's going to cause me so much favor elsewhere. Look at what he does. So he called in each one of his master's debtors and he asked the first, how much do you owe my master? And go on. 900 gallons of olive oil, he replied. The manager told him, take your bill. Sit down quickly and make it 450. So what he began to do was, he began to tell people who was in debt, don't pay, the, don't pay my, my boss that much. Just pay this and we're going to put paid in full. So he begins to shortchange his boss, right? This man's doing, if you, you know if you're the boss already, you're flying up in there like, that man owe me a lot of olive oil. Why are you half in olive oil? I need my olive oil, right? He said, no, no, he said, no, 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 make it half and make it 450. Go on. Look, he does it again. Then he asks the second, how much do you owe? A thousand bushels of wheat, he replied. He told him, take your bill and make it 800. Go on. The master commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly. What did the master do? He said, you're a smart guy. Why would Jesus say this man is smart? And then he goes on, he said, for the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than the people of light. That's a slap to every believer's face. He said the people of the world are smarter when it comes to dealing with finances than the people of light. Then he goes on and he says this. I tell you, watch this. Use worldly wealth. Let's stop right there. Here's the problem. We want to use people and love money. I'm going to say that again. Humanity, Christianity, human, this is how we function. We like to love money and use people. God says no. Use money, but love people. Do you follow that? When you love people, oh gosh. When you love people, you, do, you, you, you live different. 
When you love money, you live different. People begin to spot the difference in you. Now watch this. He says, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourself so that when it is gone, now he switches the conversation here, Jesus. He says, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. So what is Jesus saying here? Jesus, is Jesus saying here, I should, be, I should be dishonest with my money? He is not saying that. But he is saying that when you begin to use money, use it to gain friends. Well, why are you saying that? Because in other words, look at what he says. When it's gone, those friends will welcome you into eternal dwelling. So what's going on here? Here's why this manager was shrewd. Because he's about to get fired. He hooks up with other businessmen. He lowered their bill so that when you fire me, guess what these guys are going to do? I got friends. I made friends. You understand what I'm saying? He, he lowered their bill so that when you fired me, I'm going to go over there and be like, hey, man, remember when you owed 900 olive oil? And I lowered that joint to 400? Well, I'm in need of a job. I'm going to need you to... Oh, we got you because you looked out for us. He's building friendships. And so Jesus said, when it comes to the children of light, though, all we want to do is own money, get rich, get wealthy, do all this stuff. But we never begin to realize that the same thing can happen. We can use money to gain friends, but those friends, the goal is to get them into eternal dwellings so that when you die, oh, gosh. When you die, those friends will say the connections, the money that you've you gained in this life, you've used money and you've loved people. You've used your money to gain friends. And in gaining friends, you brought them to Jesus. So that when you die and one day it's over, one day the audit is come and God said, what have you done? And you bust into heaven, there'll be people saying... Because of what you've done with the money God has given you, I am in heaven today. It is different for the believer when we have money. If you think God is just going to bless you with money just so you could be wealthy and show the world who you are, then you will live an empty life. When God gives you wealth, when God gives you material possession, always ask God, God, which friend can I make from this that I could lead to the kingdom? When you begin to live like that, the Bible says he gives seed to the sower. When you begin to live like that, you will never lack. Why? Because a person who gives will never lack. Do you follow what I'm saying? He says this, but then he goes on. He says, Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with, with what? And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. Sometimes your blessing is in stewarding the little you have. Do you, you know, this is what I used to say when I was young. I said, boy, I can't wait to get a job pays me 30,000. You know, you're a young man. You, 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 you now leaving high school. You're like, when I get to 30, 40,000, I just get that money coming in. Watch what I'm going to do. When you started getting 30, 40,000, you said, yo, if I could just jump up to 80 to 100,000, watch what's going to happen. You jumped up to 80, 100,000, you're like, oh, man. Bro, you know what it is? I need, I need to start making some real money. 
You see what's going on there? You could never be faithful with the little you got, and so you're always in need. But when God sees you can steward the little you have, and don't say what I need, say what I've got. And say, God, this little that I got, I'm going to use it to win souls. I'm going to use it to be a blessing. I'm going to use my little bit to give you glory. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to complain. I'm going to work. You see, I'm, I, God, you've blessed me with a job. You know, remember when you didn't have a job? You say, God, if you just bless. I've seen this. I've literally seen people say, pray, God, bless you with a job. Hey, I do anything. And God blessed them with a job. And within six months, you know, I need a better job. They treat me bad over there. This, that, that. Everything is bad with the job. But you forgot when you didn't have one. You know, as I was preparing this message, God began to convict me. God, you know, when you begin to look at these things that God has given you, I start to look at my life. I say, I'm not taking care of God's things rightly. Everything in my life is, is God's. I've got to begin to look at it like that. Do you follow what I'm saying? Because when you look at it, you know, uh, 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 something a brother told me. He said he was praying for a new house for years, for years, for years. And then one day God said, why you want a new house when you don't keep the one you got in order now? You see, for the believer, it's different. It's, it's, it's like we got something that works that says you won't go. The world, you watch them. They just live illegal. They sell oil, cancel a debt, do all types of illegal. They, they go out, they get whatever. But it's like God just kind of says for the believer, you won't move. And why? Until you learn a lesson. I cannot put you over much if you aren't faithful with Y'all hear what I'm saying in here? And, and if you don't learn how to manage the little, how are you going to manage much? If, if when you got little, you don't tithe. When you got little, you don't, even, you don't even care for people. When you got little, you don't even know how to save. How do you think you're going to save when a lot comes in? You see, we tell ourselves if we get a lot, we'll do those things. God is saying if you can't do those things now, you will never do them. You follow what I'm saying? Everything that you think you need to do in your life, you better learn how to do it now. If you can't steward a family now, oh, don't ask God, God, give me more kids, more. Oh, oh, you can't even. If you can't steward yourself now, don't ask God for a wife. If you can't, when my wife comes, and look for a wife who could balance the book so she could, she could be my opposite. Because, you know, opposite attracts. And when you get married, opposite attacks. You follow what I'm saying in here? Well, you, you know, it's one, you, you, you can't, you've got to learn how to steward the little you've got, and then God can bless you over much. And then my brother used to tell me, he said, I want a big house. And God said one day, well, why, why aren't you cleaning the one currently so that the next person who is praying for this house can get a good house? Well, I rent this house. I don't got to take care of it. I put my security down. So I break whatever. When I'm gone, they got the security anyway. You'll never get a house. You can't take care of somebody's house you're renting right now. I know this is a tough message. Listen to me. And you got to steward the things that you have. You know, you can't be impulsive. You got to steward the money you have. You know, America is set up. You know, whenever you go to the end to, to check out, there's impulsive things that they put there to make you buy. Candy is one of them. Candy is one of the most impulsive things they put to make you waste money. How many of you know? How, ma how many of you can be honest and say, I've probably blown a lot of money off of candy in my life. Off of, I didn't bought me diabetes. <laughs> I didn't bought me a stack of diabetes. Come on up in here. They put the candy right at the end. They put all of those impulsive things. They put the little toys for the kids, the little spinny things. that It's going to break by the time they reach the car. 
It's going to break before they reach the car. But why? Because they know these impulsive habits. And when you impulsively spend, if you don't have a plan for your money, somebody else got a plan for it. And God is saying that the children of darkness, they think about these things and look out. And, but we don't never do that. And he says this, if you're dishonest with a little, you're going to be dishonest with much. Now go on, watch this, watch this. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? Wait a minute. I thought wealth was riches. You see, when we sing that song, I am so rich. I know some of you sitting there like, yes, I like that part. My back will come full. I don't never think that when I sing that part. Maybe that's what the songwriter meant, but I don't think that because I know that money is not riches. The Bible doesn't define money as riches. Do you follow what I'm saying? Now, obviously, in the technical sense, yes, but true riches is different. And there seems to be a direct connection between spiritual blessings and the way I handle material possessions. That if I'm able to steward and discipline myself, and put these things in their right perspective, somehow God empowers me spiritually stronger. Somehow I gain more from God. But it only happens when in the physical world I am disciplined. Do y'all see that? Right? Look at this. He says, if you are not trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, how will you be handling true riches? I got about two more, three more minutes. Let me share this with you. Let me share this with you. Many of us are living, and we're living in debt. Let me tell you, when you live in debt, right, remember this. That whenever you're living in debt, you're always living in the past. You're always paying for something you bought years ago. You're always working for something that has already passed. God does not want you to be in any debt. Debt shackles the people of God. Do y'all you, do you follow that? Right? God, now there's four reasons that I've discovered why we, we get into debt. Here, here's one. We were never taught how money works. In our society, there's no teaching of money. None at all. There's no, I ask students all the time when I go to these Schools in Queens and Brooklyn. What class you got for money? There's no class set up to teach people about money. The one thing that affects your marriage or the way you live, everything about you. That's why when we graduate high school, people are starting to wise up and say, wait a minute now. Is college really about getting an education and being successful or is college about paying you? Because they're going into colleges and coming out with enough money that you could have bought a house with already. And somebody's wising up and saying, I'm going to just go, I'm going to get me a job. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? Now, I'm not saying don't go to college. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that a lot of us were never taught how money works. We, we were never taught these principles. We were never taught how to steward money. We were just taught, yo, you get money, you live, you do whatever. Here's another reason why we're in debt. A lot of us are just in rebellion. We know that we shouldn't buy certain things, but we're going to do it anyway because we don't care. Come on, talk to me in here. You know, they say uh, that, that, that in Japan, the average saving is 25% is, uh, of, of, of a Japanese average salary is saved. 
in America, minus 1% of the... Sa- is, it, it, so here's what it is. We are in debt. We are living on credit. You know, we come in and we rejoice. I thank God. God blessed me with a new car. Did he now? How much you owe on that car? Yeah, I walked in there. I had no credit. And God turned it around, and they gave me an $80,000 car with no credit. If I were you, I'd take the car back. The fact that you don't got no credit tells you're not a good steward, and you're not ready for an $80,000 vehicle. Take it back. The credit report don't lie. You tried to hide it. Y'all hear what I'm saying in this place? Y'all hear what I'm saying in this place? And we know we shouldn't buy certain things. And, and, and we affect, you know, if you're a family and you want a house, you've got to think different. People of God, y'all hearing me in this place? You, you're a young person. You can't, ju- you, you got to think different. I got two, uh, <laughs> my, my nephew and my son, and uh, 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 we were hanging out yesterday along with um, Isaac. I forgot your name. So they hung out in the mall yesterday. I picked them up. It was Isaac's birthday. So I expected him to come in with some bags. So Isaac, you know, Isaac had a nice birthday. I saw my nephew and I saw my son. I said, y'all been in this mall for about six hours. I ain't never know there was so much popping in the mall that y'all could just chill. One of them said it was pretty interesting watching Isaac shop. What can I say? <laughs> so I turned and I said, man, I, I see he got his bags. What'd y'all buy? Them two boys looked at me like, we just don't want our money to disappear. So there was some things we saw. We just ain't getting it. And in my heart, I said, that's good. Because the average teenager with money is going to spend it all. Average human being. We, we buy, we buy. Once we got money, we spend. But if you want, it, you know, it, it told me that these guys are saying, I'm trying to have something in the future. I'm not trying to depend on you forever, Dad. I love that. I'm trying to have my own. If you want me to have something, you, you know, and they will do that. They'll be like, you like that for me? Why don't you, you know, Sevy's always like that. Sevy's like, yeah, 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 we love that. And it's like, all right, you got money by you. Like, okay, it, it ain't that fly no more. It, you know, when it becomes your own, and it's, it's good to see when young people begin to steward. If you want to have a successful future, you got to steward stuff now. Do you follow what I'm saying? And so we get into debt because we, we are in total rebellion. You know you shouldn't buy certain things, but you buy it anyway. Come on, talk to me. You can't be blessed if you eat out every week. Here's another reason why we're in debt. We're just greedy. Straight up greedy. You just want everybody to think you got it like that, so you buy it. I'm, I'm going I'm to show them. Let me tell you, if you ever bought and your mindset was, wait till they see me, you've already lost. If you ever bought and be like, <laughs> you've already lost. If you've ever bought anything with anybody in mind to impress anybody, Go give it right back. That's greed. Y'all understand what I'm saying? That's the grip of materialism. And then poor planning. People don't plan their money. Some people, the average person, if I ask you where your money goes, I 
home. That joint just be coming and going, bro. I get paid this week. I don't know where it go, but I know by Wednesday I'm broke. I just—I don't know where it goes. I just know I'm broke by a certain time. Come on, say can't say amen. Say ouch. I don't know where. I know I get money. I can tell you by which day is gone, but I can't tell you where it went. Develop a budget. You know, it becomes tough when you develop that budget. Me and my wife, we, every time we talk, we're like, all right, Sherry, we're going to develop this budget. All right. So there's one thing Sherry loves. Sherry loves cookies. <laughs> I tell her it's not good for her health. She says, but I don't eat it every day. It's once in a blue. I said, you shouldn't be eating at this age ever in a blue. So we look at the budget, and I'm like, we got to cut that. But And I got things I like, too. So she'll turn, and she'll probably say, well, you should probably stop buying. And, and what human beings do is find every reason. But, but you got to have something in life. I mean, you just can't live and not treat yourself. You know, people say, people say, and then you start saying dumb stuff like, because if we die tomorrow, come on, this is all there is. We gotta, if you die, you don't need it. But if you live, you better plan to live. Y'all follow what I'm saying? And so, so, so poor planning. If I had more time, I'd get into all of that stuff. Amen. I want to show you this. I want to show you this. In the book of Deuteronomy chapter 8, 18, y'all getting something from this today? Y'all better go home and change the way. If you're going to be successful in this, you say, Pastor, why you want me to be successful materialistically? Because your marriage will be better. Your home will be better. Your life will be better. You'll live a better life. And God says when you steward material possessions better, there's actual spiritual blessings that's coming. He'll make you a leader over many things if you get the material right. Maybe you're not moving along in life because the material isn't right. Do you follow what I'm saying, right? Now look at this, look at this. In the book of Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 18, look at what it says. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the what? To do what? Now, God doesn't give you wealth. He gives you what? Ability to produce wealth. Now, whenever I read that, I always thought, oh, God, God is the one who gives you ideas to produce wealth. God will give you a financial business plan to produce wealth. I always read that as God will give you a super talent that they're going to have to pay you to produce wealth. And, and, and that's right. But you know what it's also talking about? He gives you the ability to steward little things. He gives you the ability not to be greedy. As a matter of fact, when you read the book of Proverbs, it says the man who buys hastily will end up in poverty. It doesn't say anything about the man who... You know, it, it's not saying the man who's super talented, good for him, because he's going to get money. It's saying that the man who could simply not be hasty in spending will have money. So when the Bible says he gives you the ability to get wealth, he's also saying he gives you the ability, self-control. And self-control will produce a harvest. It's not that deep. Well, God, if you give him, what do you give me? I can't sing. Let me see. To God. <laughs> you know singing, ain't it? You're like, well, what can I do? It ain't talking only about gifts and talents. It's talking about the fact that when he give you a dollar, what are you going to do with God's dollar? Now, some of you are in trouble because we don't never give God the first fruits. We take God's first fruits and... and, 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 and let me show y'all. Let me show you one more scripture. Y'all with me? Yes. 
We read in the Bible today. You did come to church, right? You know, look at look at look at First Corinthians. People say, well, "I don't give no more." I don't know about this church giving stuff. First Corinthians chapter sixteen, verse two. When and where should you give? Malachi says, "Bring bring God's money into God's house." Right now, watch this. Look at this. On the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income, a proportion. Biblically, what's that proportion? A tenth. It's a tenth. That's been from, I don't know, Abraham just knew that. <laughs> you know, Jacob just knew that. And then when God began to set aside the principles, he said, he said, on the first day of every week, you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income, saving it up so that when I come, no collections will have to be made because you would have already given. Do you follow what I'm saying? So when and where should you give? You give to your house. Now, Rockefeller, anybody ever heard of Rockefeller? That was the guy you named your company after. Rockefeller had this principle, the 10-10 principle. He would give 10%, he would tithe. And then 10% of what he made, he would save. And then the rest he would use to pay his bills. Let me tell you something. You have to develop a plan in your life to save money because you don't know what's going to happen in the future. So you say, I don't make a lot of money to save. If it's a dollar you save, save it. Do you follow what I'm saying? If it's $2 you save, save it. Because it's not how much you're putting in a way to save in. It's the consistency of how you do it. Do you follow what I'm saying? And if you consistently save a dollar for a long time, imagine if you had put all that candy money you bought away. Some of y'all be millionaires today. Come on. And you wouldn't have to pay for them teeth. Come on, talk to me. You end up spending double for the teeth and the candy. How much you done spend on teeth? Huh? God gave you teeth. You have to go buy what he gave you. Because you ain't steward your teeth right. <laughs> Funny, but this is how it works, man. Every area of your life, you have to be disciplined. The people of God ought to be blessed. Why? Because when the people of God see people beginning to hunger in this church and this church is ready to grow, we shouldn't say, well, where are we going to put them? We should say, let's go to the neighbor and make him an offer he can't refuse. But we can't do that. Because we can't at this point. <laughs> but if we change, watch God bless he gives seed to the sower. My time is gone. But there's a God who's able to supply all your needs. In the young days of my marriage, we struggled a lot. Sherry was just not good in stewarding money. <laughs> I blame her for everything, right? We struggled a lot. And when you're young, you weren't taught these things. But as you grow older, you, you, you know. And I don't want to make it sound like if you give automatically, God going to give you millions. God will give you enough for where you need to go. Do you understand what I'm saying? And I don't want to ever tell you neither because, you know, you look people who are not saved, who don't tithe, got millions of dollars. So I don't want to tell you, make you feel like if I don't tithe, I'm going to be broke forever in life. You might find a way to, 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 to get money, but there's a difference when you do it God's way.
The Bible says the blessings of the Lord makes rich and adds no sorrow. What's the point of getting wealth if there's sorrow behind it? Follow what I'm saying? What's the point of getting wealth if you don't know what the purpose of it is for? It won't do anything for you. When God bless you, make friends. So that those friends, you will see them in eternal dwellings. Use money, love people. Don't love money to use people. Do you follow what I'm saying today? Let's close in prayer. If you need a financial increase in your life, I want you to stand. If you need a better job, I want you to stand. And the first thing I want you to do is thank God for your current situation. Because unless you learn to be grateful, you will not be able to have much. Come on. Have you thanked God lately for the little you've been given? Remember when the little you have now, you dreamed about to have? You said, if I could only have my own. And he gave it to you. He gave it to you. Now that you have, thank him for it. Say, God, I bless you for it. God, help me not to complain. God, help me to do the best job. God, help me to give my best. God, help me to honor you. If you need God in your family, if you need whatever area, you know, whatever area it is, say, God, help me today. God, help me. Oh, God, hallelujah. Hallelujah. I sense that somebody might be hurting today. In the name of Jesus, whoever you are, whatever you're hurting from, feel like somebody's using you. We hope that you enjoy this message. If so, do us a favor. Like, share, rate, and subscribe to this podcast. Thanks again for joining us here.